Good day and welcome to For the Love of Pets. This is Dr. Don Shreves, owner and operator of the Pots Grove Animal Hospital. We're going to be talking about some things for your pets today, so stay tuned and we'll get started in just a moment. Welcome back to For the Love of Pets. Now I am Dr. Shreves and we're going to be talking today about vaccinations for your puppy. So if you're getting a new puppy or you're thinking about a new puppy, you know, this is information you want to know so that you can keep your puppy healthy and not and disease free so that nothing bad happens to your puppy. Um, there's a lot of vaccines out available and one I'm going to give you is my recommendations and this constitutes my opinion as a veterinarian. Uh, other veterinarians may agree or disagree with what vaccines I recommend and don't recommend. I'm going to talk about what's out there um, and what's available, but you know your doctor may differ on what they like to recommend, and that's certainly okay. Um, you know, difference of opinion on this, and a lot of veterinarians, um, especially when it comes to the non-core vaccines. Um, we're going to start off talking about what we call the core vaccines. The core vaccines are vaccines that are important. Every veterinarian out there will most likely recommend these vaccines because these are diseases that are not anything you want to mess with, okay? They're diseases that will kill your dog in most cases, so it's something you really want to protect them against. Um, the first one is actually part of a combination vaccine. Um, we commonly just call it distemper, okay? But we're going to talk about each part of the vaccine and break it down for you a little bit. Um, distemper itself is a virus, okay? It's a virus that affects the central nervous system. It can also affect the respiratory system in dogs. Um, unfortunately, distemper is an incurable virus. If your dog gets it, unfortunately, most likely, it's going to die. Um, and it's not something we can cure, and it's not something that, you know, we can stop once it's infected the animal. And it is out there, unfortunately. So definitely something you want to make sure your puppy gets. Second one, as part of the distemper combination, is the canine adeno-2 virus, otherwise known as the hepatitis virus. Um, this is a virus that really affects your dog's liver adversely, um, and the damage it causes in the liver can, again, be fatal to your dog. So, again, a core vaccine that you want to protect them against. Um, the third part of the core vaccines of the distemper is the parvo. Now, parvo is a virus um, that comes from other dogs' poop. It's passed out in the feces from an infected dog. This virus is a very hardy virus. It survives. It's been known to survive in the environment for up to 13 years. So it may not have, you know, come from your dog. You simply could track it in from another yard that a dog that once had it 10 years ago was there and pooped there. So you definitely want to make sure your dog is protected against this virus. What this virus does is affects the intestinal system wipes out the lining of the intestinal tract completely. Now, the lining of the intestines, if you look at it, uh, the small intestines consists of two parts. There is what we call the villi, which are kind of like little finger projections that come out into the center of the intestines, and that's what absorbs the nutrients from the food that you eat. And then there's the crypts. And the crypts produce um, the layer of cells on the edge of the villi we call the epithelium. So these layer cells coat these villi, and um, that's how things you know are absorbed through it. But what happens is Parvo comes in, and Parvo destroys both the villi and the crypts. 
So the body has to rebuild the crypts first before it can rebuild the villi. And that's where the problem lies because it's a two-part process to repair the damage. The virus comes in and wipes it all out. And it takes it takes anywhere from a couple days to I've seen it take a week or two in some cases before the animal is better from this virus. And it needs supportive care, usually of IV fluids, anti-vomiting medicines, antibiotics, um, and just try to get it through the crisis. The virus, once it hits, has to run its course. There's nothing you can really do to stop the virus. Um, some doctors, myself included, do sometimes treat with Tamiflu, which is an antiviral um, that I have seen have some success in slowing it down if you catch it early. But once the vomiting and the diarrhea starts, it's a slippery downward slope. And even with treatment, not all puppies make it. So definitely something you want to protect your, your puppy from because this is something that is out there and can be out there from years ago. And that's really the core portion of the distemper vaccine. You have the distemper, the hepatitis, and the parvo. Now, most of these vaccines will also include the parainfluenza. Parainfluenza is a virus that affects the respiratory system. It's kind of like a flu virus. It's usually not a deadly virus, though it can be dangerous. Um, But it is something you really just don't want your puppies getting. Um, So in most cases, when you get a distemper vaccine, it's going to include that as well. Um, the one thing it may or may not include is another portion of it we call leptospirosa, which is a bacterium out there. This bacteria affects the kidneys in your animal and your dog, so it causes renal failure. Um, this bacteria is spread through the infected urine of wild animals, so rats, squirrels, um, you know, anything that might come and pee in your yard could potentially transmit leptospirosa. Um, there are many what we call serovars, which basically is just a fancy word for types or strains of this bacteria. Some, you know, protect against one or two strains. There are some that protect against four strains in your vaccines. So, you know, the more valence you have, the more species or subtypes that you're protecting against, the better chance you're keeping your animals safe. Now, in historical past, and I've had this myself Um, lepto has caused some allergic reactions when given to a puppy. So I do tend to stray away from the lepto in smaller dogs or certain breeds that have been known to have reactions to it in the past. Though with the new um, ways they're making it, a lot of those reactions have gone by the wayside. So they're not something that we see so often anymore. So it's really up to the individual doctor and the individual owner whether they want to vaccinate for this or not. Again, it is something that is definitely recommended in larger dogs. They don't seem to have a problem. The smaller dogs, again, it it depends on how comfortable you are with this vaccine. So that's your core distemper vaccines with the potential of lepto. Something else that could be factored into this um, is another virus called coronavirus. Now, this one is one that, again, infects the intestines like the parvovirus does. The good thing about corona is it's not as nasty as parvo. It does not affect both parts of the intestinal tract, but only the villi. The crypts are left intact. So the way I always explain it to my clients, imagine if you have a hot toy being made for Christmas, okay? And the department store is stocked full of it, and the warehouse is making it. Now, if you have uh, somebody come in and buy up all of the stock out of the store, so the store is completely sold out, But you can call the factory, you can get more shipped to you, and you have it back in a few days. That's Corona, okay? Whereas now with Parvo, the hot toy is bought out from the store, 
somebody burns down the factory. Now they got to rebuild the factory before they can start remaking the toys and send them to the store. That's Parvo. That's the difference in the catastrophicness of the Parvo virus versus the coronavirus. So corona is something that they will pick up. It is out in the environment. It does cause vomiting. It does cause diarrhea. It's just not as severe as what you see with Parvo. They don't usually get dehydrated from it. So because of, and the body repairs the damage quickly. So in a lot of cases, most dogs will survive a corona infection um, unless they have other immunocompromises. But in general, when I'm talking about those vaccines, I'm talking about a completely healthy and normal animal otherwise. So corona is there. If it's going to, your dog's going to be around a lot of other strange dogs, okay, there's a lot of strange dogs that go walking through the the uh, area that your dog is, your dog goes walking in a commonplace area, goes to dog parks, um, places where other dogs, strange dogs, are going to poop a lot, probably a good vaccine to have on board, okay, just for the safety precautions, because honestly, it does make a mess for about a week, though in most cases, corona is not deadly. Now, the other vaccine, um, core-wise, that we have to talk about is rabies. Um, the rabies virus is a virus that's transmitted through saliva of the bite of an infected animal to your animal. So the virus itself is in the saliva. way the virus works in, in animals, it travels through the peripheral nerves. So it travels through the nerves of the body from where the bite happened, travels up to the spinal cord, travels through the nerves of the spinal cord up into the brain, and then travels down the facial nerves to the salivary glands, where it is then excreted in the saliva. So the virus itself goes to the brain before it gets to the saliva. This is why if your animal bites somebody, you are given a 10-day quarantine. Because we know if there was any rabies virus in that bite, in that saliva, within that 10 days, we're going to notice symptoms of rabies, okay? And symptoms of rabies most commonly include, of course, abnormal aggressiveness, other neurologic symptoms, disorientation, um, fear of water, okay, what we call hydrophobia, difficulty in eating, swallowing, drinking, because the virus paralyzes the nerves of the esophagus, so they can't swallow. Everybody thinks of the foaming mouth rabid dog. Well, the reason they foam at the mouth is because they can't swallow their saliva anymore. Um, so those are the kind of symptoms we're looking for in that 10-day period. If after 10 days we don't see that symptom, well, that dog couldn't have had rabies in that bite. Now, the concern always, of course, is going to be for your animal is if your animal gets bit, okay, and gets bit by something and you don't know what it got bit by. Now, you're, if your animal is unvaccinated, you end up looking at a six-month quarantine. Now, let me specify these are the laws in Pennsylvania, okay? Um, every state has different rabies laws, okay? Every state has different frequency of rabies laws, Okay. So you have to look to the doctor. And so if you're not in the state of Pennsylvania, you've got to talk to your doctor and your vet about what your local rabies laws are and quarantine laws are. State of Pennsylvania, quarantine law, six months for a bite of unknown origin. That means you must keep your animal away from other people and then re-examine after a six-month period, okay? Because the virus can take up to six months to travel to the brain. The unfortunate thing with rabies is rabies is 100% fatal once it hits the brain. And that is in animals and that is in people. In people, that's why when people get bit, they don't mess around. They go right to rabies uh, vaccination treatment protocol because rabies, once it hits the brain, is 100% fatal. So you don't want to mess around with rabies. You want to make sure your animal's protected because if your animal's protected and you get a... Um, bite of unknown origin, most cases after a quarantine period, 
you can get a booster vaccine, you'll be fine. Um, but if your dog is unvaccinated, therein lies the problem, okay? And this is the one vaccine that is absolutely required by the state. You have to have your dog rabies vaccinated, and it is a fine if you do not have an, a, vac- a rabies vaccine and proof of that rabies vaccine. And by proof of the rabies vaccine, we are talking about a rabies certificate signed by a licensed veterinarian, okay? The tag is not proof. You can make a tag in any tag machine in PetSmart, Walmart, any place that's got one, you can make your own tag and you can make it say whatever you want to say. It is that certificate with the signature. That is what protects you and shows and proof that your dog is indeed rabies vaccinated. If you don't have it, most of the time your veterinarian is going to have it on file. Now, if you got your rabies vaccine at a vaccine clinic, I highly recommend making sure you know where those certificates are just as a safety precaution. Your dog may be the nicest dog in the world. That doesn't mean that something isn't going to happen that's going to cause him to snap. Um, I've seen nice dogs that, you know, got their ears pulled by a kid or they got pulled, something on their body got touched they didn't like and they snapped. And it's just, they're animals. They are unpredictable at times, no matter how nice and how domesticated they are. Okay. So that's the rabies. That's how rabies works. So the vaccines are one year and three year in the state of Pennsylvania. Every state is different. One year for a puppy, three years for any shot after the first one. And that's Pennsylvania. Every state's different. Different states. Some are every year. Some are every two. Some go every three. State of PA, one and three. All right. So a couple other vaccines that we're going to talk about here before we finish up um, that are out there. They're optional. Some I recommend. Um, Some, you know, are for more situations. And that situation varies from person to person and animal to animal. One of the biggest vaccines that I am a huge proponent of is Lyme vaccine. Lyme disease, unfortunately, is becoming more and more rampant on the East Coast. In my area, southeastern Pennsylvania, it is rampant. Okay, I've seen a lot of Lyme positive dogs over the years that I've been practicing in this area in Pennsylvania. It is just out there. It is a bacterial disease. It's a bacterial disease that is transmitted by a deer tick. The deer tick is our winter tick. It's the tick you're going to find out in the middle of winter, okay? Um, There was a study that was done where they went out on a 40-degree January day within a 10-mile radius of the city of Philadelphia looking for deer ticks. Within approximately two hours, they found well over 100 ticks that were awake and moving and ready to jump on and infect an animal. Of those 100, about 80% of them were positive for Lyme. That study was done in 1980, okay? So that unfortunately shows you how rampant the bacteria is in this area. Um, So it is something your dogs can get. The unfortunate thing with Lyme, it is considered an incurable disease. Once they have it, it's there for life. I have seen dogs that have had relapses every year or two ever since they got diagnosed, and it's just unfortunately because the bacteria is there. So really something you want to try to protect yourself against. Now, you know, the vaccine is very good um and i've seen a lot less positive cases with my recommendation of vaccination against lyme disease now there are some doctors out there that don't like to vaccinate for lyme again you got to talk to your doctor and you got to ask them why not um what harm can it do if i did vaccinate for it um what harm can happen if i don't vaccinate for it so you got to be educated and you got to understand you know your area 
and the risks of it within your area. In my area, I'm a high recommendation of it um, because I have seen drastic decrease in the numbers of positives with my re- you know, recommendations of all dogs getting Lyme vaccine. It's a lot of Lyme vaccines out there on the market. Um, I have my personal preferences. I'm not going to go into which companies one I like the most um, because I'm not sponsored by anybody and I don't want to look like I'm favoring any one company. I do think a lot of the vaccines all have their um, uses and they all have their ability to work and protect. The important thing is you make sure you get the vaccine. It's a two-shot series when they first get it, roughly given anywhere from two to four weeks apart, and it's a yearly booster after that. Most of the vaccines are only good for up to 14 months, so you really want to make sure you get that yearly booster because after 14 months, your dog's protection is going to fall, and if it falls, it's going to become susceptible. And if it gets bitten by a deer tick, unfortunately, and the bacteria is passed into its body, we're not getting rid of it. We may be able to help them. We may be able to treat symptoms, but the bacteria is always there. Most commonly, Lyme disease causes an arthritis-type syndrome. So most of the cases we see tend to be stiff, sore, painful for no reason. Um, That's usually treatable with antibiotics, some pain meds, get them feeling better. However, they can relapse and they can fall right back into the same way. So, um, you know, that one's treatable but not curable. The other form, unfortunately, though much rarer, is, a, is the, what we call the kidney nephritis, which unfortunately where the bacteria affects the kidneys, causes acute and severe renal failure. Um, this unfortunately tends to be a deadly form of Lyme. Um, very rarely can you save them. It's not, un, it hasn't, it's not to say that it hasn't been done. There have been animals that have been saved from Lyme's nephritis, but it's not a common way, unfortunately. Most commonly, they succumb to the disease. So again, something you don't want to mess around with, I do highly recommend Lyme vaccination. Next vaccine we're going to talk about, Bordetella vaccine. Bordetella is an upper respiratory and respiratory infection caused by actually a viral and bacterial combination. So this causes kind of a dry, hacking cough, kind of a croupy type cough. If you've ever heard a child with croup, um, it's a very similar type of cough. most commonly, this will come on rather quickly, and they'll just start coughing. Um, it's kind of dry, like they've got something stuck in their throat. Uh, they don't have anything stuck in their throat. Most of the time, it's just due to the inflammation. If you've ever had a sore throat with a dry, scratchy throat that makes you have a cough, it's kind of what this virus bacterial combination does. Um, if you had a dog that's been slowly coughing and then gradually getting worse over a long period of time... I would probably not think it's kennel cough. I'd be more concerned about a heart problem. But usually kind of a quick, sudden onset with no previous other symptoms, with a dry cough, probably kennel cough or Bordetella vaccine or virus. So most commonly they're going to pick this up around a lot of other dogs. So, of course, in kennels, in kennel-like environments, like going to a groomer or other boarding facility type area. Um, But also think about things like dog parks, dog shows, uh, dog conventions, or pet shows, or things like that, where they potentially could be around other dogs. If you're going to go in those areas, especially if you're going to go there as frequently, you definitely want to think about protecting your dog from it. Most kennels will require it, but none, a lot of these other places don't require it. So just something to think about, you know, what you, where you take your animal and what exposure they might have to it. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is Influenza. 
influenza, there are actually two strains of canine influenza now. There's the H3N8 virus, which was the original strain, and the N3H2 virus, which is the newer strain. And we have seen both up in my area here, though the N8 is much more common. The N8 is the less nastier of the two, most commonly causes flu-like symptoms, so they can get a runny nose, they get fever, they get congested, they kind of feel miserable, just like you and I would if you got the flu. Now, with the N8 virus, most normal healthy dogs will get through it, okay? Um, Though, of course, medicines do help to lessen the symptoms. But most of them will not succumb to the virus from the N8 version. The N2, however, much nastier version of flu, um, and there have been some dogs, especially in some kennels, where that have caught it that have unfortunately passed away from it. You know, it's just like people. There are multiple strains of influenza out there. Some of them are deadly, like the old Spanish flu. Some of them, you know, they're they're an annoyance for a couple weeks, and you feel miserable, but you know, you stay hydrated, you get some rest and some chicken soup, and you feel better. Okay, I'm not saying give your dog chicken soup, okay? Don't take that. Um, what I am saying is that you may want to, you know, uh, consider these vaccines, especially with the N2 getting more prominence out there. And most companies are making a bivalent vaccine, which means there's both strains in the vaccine. So in which case you're protecting against both, okay? Um, so that's definitely something you want to think about. Um, if your dog is going to be around other dogs again, so kennels, dog parks, Um, walking areas, places where, again, dogs are going to congregate because that is where it most commonly can pick it up. It's like kids in a daycare. One kid gets it and passes it around to everybody else. Um, Now, that's not to say that these things can't be caught elsewhere, and they can. Um, Any of these viruses can be caught in individual situations. I'm just explaining the most common places where if you're going to go in those environments, you really want to consider having that vaccine on board for your puppy, okay? Um. And then, of course, Lyme vaccine we've already talked about is my other one that, like I said, I like to um, really recommend Lyme vaccination against for puppies and for all dogs. Um, so I'm going I'm to talk a little bit more about Lyme disease in a different podcast. So in, you're going to get a lot more information at that point about Lyme disease, about the bacteria, about the different strains and all that. I'm not going to get into that here for the purpose of our talk today. We're talking more about the vaccines that are available out there for your puppy. Um, and things you want to think about um, to help keep your puppy safe, okay? So, again, summary up here, core vaccines, distemper, hepatitis or adenovirus 2, parvo, most commonly going to come with parainfluenza. That's a vaccine for a first-time puppy, should be a three-shot series, given roughly a month apart, and then yearly boosters after that. There are some doctors who do three-year distempers, so there is a three-year distemper out there. Certainly nothing wrong with that. If you do the portion with the lepto, the lepto still needs to be boosted yearly. If you do it without the lepto, you could do the core distemper, hepatitis parvo, and a three-year vaccine if your doctor offers it. Again, individual from each doctor. Some doctors still prefer to do yearly. Some do it every three years. Again, it's up to the doctor. Um, Rabies, of course, one year for a first time. Every three years after that, again, going by the laws of Pennsylvania, um, your state may differ, so talk to your veterinarian. Beyond that, you've got the corona vaccine, the influenza vaccine, the bordetella vaccine, and the Lyme vaccine. And those, I think, are the most important ones, and those are the ones that I offer in my clinic um, for my patients, okay? Um, 
you know, there may be some other, you know, other ones out there that are there um, that some doctors might like to recommend, and I'm not saying they're good or bad. Again, talk to your doctor, get educated on why you need them or why they're recommending them. So you can do what's right for that you feel for your dog to keep them healthy and safe. Well, we talked about some canine vaccines, and I hope you learned a little bit more about what vaccines are there, what's out there, what they do, and how they protect your animal. As always, I'm Dr. Shreves from the Pottsgrove Animal Hospital, and this has been for the Love of Pets podcast. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at fortheloveofpetspodcast at gmail.com. And I will try to send an email reply to you. If not, we will try to address any questions on a future podcast. Um, and so listen in the future, and hopefully you can find your answer if I don't get back to you personally. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So take care. Take care of your pets, and God bless. And always remember to love your pets, because they're always going to love you.